Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Teed It Up with CB. As always, I'm your host, Connor. On another fine Monday evening, going to talk about a lot of sports with a guy who knows a lot about sports. Vladdy, what's going on, man? What's up? Very nice of you to claim that I know a lot about sports. <laughs> <laughs> Pretends he knows a lot about sports. There you go. Um, no, so I'm doing well. I was, we were talking a little bit beforehand. I'm exhausted. Uh, was in Chicago this weekend. Had a nightmare drive there, a nightmare drive back. But the actual time in Chicago was good. Um, met a bunch of new people. Was kind of in Chicago with more of a different group than I typically would go. It was more of other people's friends than my own. So uh, really entertaining and meeting new people. Uh, some in- some interesting characters. Probably won't get into it right now, but I'm sure next time I see you, there there's some funny stories. But other than that, same old, back to work, Monday, long week, exhausted, you know, corporate America, what are you going to do? Yeah, long week as in an actual five-day week, you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how spoiled I am. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, long week, we should we should preface that by saying it's actually a normal week by most people. <laughs> how are you? I'm good, man. Um, been chilling, also had a good weekend. Um, yeah, I had some fun. I had too much fun, as the kids say. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It was just a good week of watching football, as usual. Nothing crazy now that we're kind of fully into the fall. Um, I don't know what the weather was like in Chicago, but here in Metro Detroit, it was uh, kind of the first glimpse of fall. Uh, it was true fall weather this time. Obviously, last weekend, when I was up north golfing and it was 80, you know, in the last week of September, first week of October, it doesn't necessarily feel like fall. This weekend and this week has felt like fall, um, which is actually kind of my favorite weather season. This maybe not like the waking up and it being 34 degrees, but the nice like 60 and sunny in the afternoon and the evening here. I just took a walk around my neighborhood. Um I love that time of weather and we really only get kind of a month of it in Michigan. So before feels like once it gets on the other side of Halloween, we start to see winter weather, uh, at least temperature wise for me. I'm pretty sensitive to temperature in general, both ways. So that's my rant on the weather and the fall in Michigan. Um, The best thing about fall, though, actually, I'm going to start it off. One of the best things about fall that we won't talk about today uh, that I should have done some kind of preview for uh, is the MLB playoffs started this weekend. Uh, Well, last week. Uh, Tuesday uh, in the the wild card rounds at all the wild card rounds, which they're only best two out of three. So they're a quick snapping and you can lose it real quickly. Uh, but they were all 2-0. Uh, none of them went to a, a decisive game three, I guess you would say. It feels like it feels weird to call it a decisive game three. Um, but yeah, so there wasn't really too much to talk about there. Uh, as far as the NLDS and ALDS go, um, it's been the Astros show so far down in Houston. Uh, it looks like the Texas Rangers took two on the road from Baltimore. Um, that's the AL story for you. And as far as the NL, I think the biggest storyline is the Phillies and the Braves. They're playing right now game two in Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta had a story. Uh, and the Phillies are just the most electric team in baseball. Uh, the bank gets rolling, as they say in Philly. They're really loud. It's probably the hardest place to play. It feels like that is kind of the World Series. I know the Phillies were a wild card team, um, but they play. I mean, they made the World Series last year. They just play playoff baseball. I would think that whoever wins that series is probably going to win the World Series. 
that, did that sound right? Wins that series is going to win the yeah, World that's, Series. No, yeah, that's fair. Okay. It's just that you just have to. You're saying series too many times. Right. Right. Yeah, it's a lot of series. It's a serious amount of series. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, to get Game One win, Philly did on Saturday night against Spencer Strider, who's been great all season. Uh, was huge. Uh, if they could steal another one in Atlanta tonight, I don't know what the score. Would be. Um, sorry, I'm gonna check the score real quick. Uh, they're up three nothing in the third, so maybe it looks like they will be up two zero going into Citizens Bank, which is like I said, probably the hardest place to play um, of any of these playoff series. I will say I told you earlier that I wasn't gonna talk about it a lot because it feels like it doesn't have the same buzz. Um, not a lot of the big blue chip it feels weird saying that in professional sports but blue chip organizations are in the playoffs this year no yankees no red Sox, no mets uh really the only one you would think of are probably the dodgers uh and they lost game one kershaw went all playoff kershaw on them and got rocked um other than that especially the al you're looking at kind of new teams formulating it into being consistent playoff teams with like baltimore um, and the Texas Rangers and the Tampa Bay Rays and kind of smaller market teams um, that necessarily have been bad for a while are now kind of stepping into this playoff era. Uh, and I think it, especially on the AL side, because really it feels like the only true regular that's there this year is Houston still. Um, they somehow are the only team that can continuously recycle um, with great talent. Uh, and a lot of that core is still um, there, even if they are older. Uh, uh a shout out Justin Verlander. He went six shutout in game one at 41 years old, still doing it for a guy that's actually kind of not known as a playoff pitcher um, to be still doing that at 41. is just so impressive. So that's, that's it. I don't want to say too much about baseball. I'm sure I'll talk about it more as I watch more as the uh, LLCS and uh, world series come on. Uh, so that's baseball. Let's get into the big topic here. That's football. That's what the fall is really all about. Um, we'll start in college. We'll start as we always do with your surprise of the week. Um, so I'm going to say my surprise of the week is Michigan State losing to the bye week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just I just had to get that quick uh, quip in because I know we're not gonna not gonna have too much more fun to talk about MSU. No, my surprise of the week is actually just how bad USC's defense is. Yeah, I know. I talk, I, we've talked about it in the past, and it was kind of my thing right at the beginning that even though I had USC as my preseason national champ, I, I mean, it would be stupid of me to not think, oh my God, well, this defense is definitely going to limit them at some points, and Caleb will have to go superhuman. But we have now seen back-to-back 41-point games given up to Colorado and Arizona. And again, I know Colorado had the hype, and they were 3-0. They are not a good football team. They were missing Travis Hunter. And you can't give up 41 points to Colorado one time. Giving up 41 points to Arizona is atrocious. So, yep. hey, it's tough. Um, I don't, I don't want to be. I told you so. But who said? Who got on this podcast and last week and said USC's defense worries me? And I, that's why I think they're the hey. odd man out. And you said no, it's Colorado and backups. And here we are. Seven days later, and that's his surprise of the week is how bad. You know what? You know what? How about this? If USC doesn't muff a kick at the end of the reg, if they're at the end of regulation, it's twenty-eight points, not forty-one. 
Okay, does that change your surprise of the week? Or no, no, it's it's absolutely still um, it's absolutely still the defense. Like I said, um, they haven't even played the big boys yet. I mean, right? What is what is? Are they going to be able to force a stop against Washington? No, probably Oregon. Yeah, Oregon's offense, I don't think is as dynamic as Washington's. But in any case, yeah, when they play the big boys, what's going to happen? Still have to play Notre Dame. Um, it's just if unless Caleb's pulling rabbits out of hats, this, this probably ends up being a two-loss team. Yeah, um, yeah. My surprise, I was going to say, um, I had one, but it, it sounds like on our our talk before the show that this is your. Uh, fraud of the week so oh yeah i'm gonna save that for that and i'm gonna pick something else my surprise of the week is notre dame um and i kind of thought they came out and had the big win against first of all their schedule ridiculous i know louisville was 25th and probably really not going to be a ranked team at the end of the year um but to play ohio state duke and louisville all in a row and they'll still play uh usc i believe they play florida state as well no, I think it's Clemson. Clemson, okay. I knew. Um, but I was super surprised that they kind of got punched in the mouth. And Sam Hartman in that offense, as good as everyone says Sam Hartman is, um, 17 points against the Louisville team that isn't exactly known for defense ever. Um, I was surprised by it. I know they only put up 14 against Ohio State. They only put up 26 against Duke last week in that win. I think it was 26-20, something along the 25-20, something along those lines. So I'm a little surprised at how, with all the hype of Sam Hartman and that Notre Dame is going to be hungry after the Ohio State loss, they're done. It's another season of them not having a chance to make the playoffs. Um, It was surprising that Louisville kind of took it to him and stuck it in the mouth. I think that's, of all the games yesterday, that was the most surprising loss i think okay. uh, as much as we can get into texas and uh some of the other teams that lost at the top uh i think the most surprising based on who they were playing for me uh was notre dame yep um you've mentioned texas now uh, a couple times so i guess i'll kind of go into it my game of the week the red river rivalry yeah. um disappoint yeah it's this is honest. I, I, well, I will be honest. It's one of the few Red River games that I can kind of remember watching most, if not all of. And it was it was crazy. I mean, the first seven minutes of the game, the first seven minutes of the game turned out to be later. They felt like a half. You had Texas throw an interception on the second play from 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 kickoff. Yeah. Oh, OU scores followed by a Texas drive that ends with another interception, followed by a, a three and out that leads into a punt block touchdown. And you're looking around, it, it's it's emotional swing after emotional swing. It's seven to seven. You feel like you've seen 15 possessions and you look at the clock and it still says seven minutes and 40 seconds left. It was outrageous. Right. Um, after that, obviously, like, I mean, you can't play it a million miles an hour the whole time. Game settles down, kind of looks like more of an actual football game. OU kind of led most of the way, though I'm not really sure they were ever in control most of the way. Towards the end, Texas took the lead, and we kind of got to my favorite situation and phrase, prevent defense prevents you from winning. Texas up three with 90 seconds to go, starts lining up in soft cover twos, the let's not blitz, the oh my God, let me stop the home run play. And 
I just, especially in college where the clock stops after a first down, I just don't understand what you win by playing prevent defense. Yeah, there's a difference to me though. Um, like, were you are you still mad at like Hail Mary end of the game? Do you still not want them to play prevent defense? No, I'm I'm talking about okay. Texas's drive. I'm not talking about Oklahoma's. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't especially when you're it's weird for Texas to do that. Oh, well, that would be Oklahoma's. Um yeah, it's the it, it it's it goes back to the age old like once you start playing to not win is when you don't win. Yep. And it, it was apparent, obviously, Texas comes back to that game. Um, crazy. What an ending, though. The drive that Dylan Gabriel took them on. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. I wouldn't say amazing. He's a great athlete. Um, he, maybe it's the left-handed thing. He, he kind of reminds me of a poor man's Michael Penix. <laughs> um, it's definitely because he's left-handed. That's the first time I've seen him play, I think, like actually – um, like sat down and watched pretty much the whole game of him playing. And he is a very dynamic athlete and gets the ball out. And on Texas's side, I think Texas is still a much better team. Uh, as hard as that is to say after they just lost, uh, you can't turn the ball over three times and oh, yeah. expect to win the game. They, Oklahoma was not going to bend over and lose after doing that, uh, especially the, the first two interceptions. Uh, or not the, the first interception and then the fumble were – basically just giving them points automatically. They were so deep um, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma territory. So the, they were never going to win again during that. I, I This is where I kind of – I actually am going to play devil's advocate for Texas. As much as you can – the easy thing to say is, oh, Texas is not back. You still – it's a, it's relatively speaking a good loss. Oklahoma seems like they'll be in the top 15 the whole year. Uh, they get another chance to beat them in the Big 12 championship more than likely. I think this Texas team is good enough where we're not going to see them fully collapse, and it's going to come down to whether or not they beat uh, can beat Oklahoma this time in a Big 12 championship. I completely agree. There's a reason why I didn't say, oh, my God, Texas brought this, Texas brought that. I, just, I, I was impressed with Oklahoma, and I, I mentioned last week they were my surprise of the week, but I did kind of positively point out that they were playing cupcakes. Texas is not a cupcake. It was a good win, like you mentioned. Uh, it would be stupid and it would be weird if those two teams don't meet each other in the Big 12 title. And assuming they go into that game 12-0 and and 11-1, and you're probably looking at uh, a Big 12 team back in the playoff. Yeah, I think so too, the way it's shaping out. Because you're not going to have two SEC teams this year. I think that's pretty clear. Um, you're not going to have – I still am a firm believer. We have yet to see the Pac-12 – devour themselves yet there's still half a season to go on that well they're um, starting to like the, the non-premier programs have started to lose games oregon state lost washington right. state lost right it's just like you said we're just we're just waiting for the oregons to play the washingtons to play the utahs to play the usc's and you're right you'll probably end up with a two loss champ as always right and then and then you're looking at at that point um what would that be georgia michigan Ohio State and 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 the, a, a one loss Big Twelve champion probably. I I think a lot of it will depend on what the ACC does because um, obviously True. I forget about Florida State. Sorry. Yeah, Florida State's still undefeated. Um, do you know when the first iteration of the college football playoff rankings is? Is it like later in late this month or does it does it start sooner? I think it's after week eight or, okay. or they play eight games. Okay, that I mean that sounds about right. 
I guess what I was just going to say with that is I, I don't want to talk about like it's it's tough to make the playoff predictions now just because you do still have so, so many much. undefeated teams that it's there there's a bunch of different scenarios and you can obviously get better options of viability if you will of who actually has a path to what right but if you want to go down and look at the schedules like it's like Texas that doesn't play a ranked team then the rest of the year um Florida State plays Duke in two weeks and that's about it and then their season's basically done as far as playing anybody decent they'll end the season like they always do playing Florida but who knows with that uh but, yeah, I, I mean, you look at those two schedules and you have to figure the odds on favor, those two teams with who they have to play. And Ohio State with who they have. I, I guess now Ohio State's tough because now that Penn State is actually a legit uh, threat this year, I think, uh, they're going to – it's not actually going to come down to two games. They're going to – or one game at the end of the season. It's actually two games this year that they have to win, especially well, – I guess they're undefeated, so they can get away with losing one of them. but. Um, you're not going to admit, I guess, I guess I'm kind of contradicting myself. So I'll forget that I even said you're going down a rabbit hole of looking at these schedules. I can't even see you anymore, but I know exactly what you're doing. Yeah. I'm going down the rabbit hole of, of if this, then this in my brain right now. And like you said, it's, there's not even, um, CFP rankings. It's it's too early to do that. There's too many big games to go. You got to see teams lose and you got to have a little bit of the dust settle. I mean, you got half the top 10 having played five games. So what are you going to do about that? Yeah. Um, my game of the week, just so we can kind of get more games in there is, uh, Alabama A&M kind of actually a snooze fest. If I'm being honest, it was a close <laughs> game of teams. Uh, it was a game that I watched a decent amount of and wanted to talk about Jalen Milrow looked respectable to be honest. And I actually, it was another game where you sat there and looked and it wasn't a sexy win for Alabama. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's one I go back and I go, well, if they're going to scratch and claw their way and only give up 20 points a game and Milrow can kind of do this game managing, hit a couple long passes downfield because he does have that that deep ball. He does throw a good, beautiful deep ball, to be honest, for not being mm-hmm. a good quarterback. Uh, then they can win games and they can be there at the end of the season. Yeah, the agreed there. And Jermaine Burton was everywhere like i just I mean, did sorry no i was just gonna say jermaine burton was everywhere uh kind of yes the he's deep a balls, and he was on the receiving end of pretty much every single one of them yes he is an absolute beast um but like i said Al- they're alabama's gonna be there whether they're an actual playoff team or not um i don't think so i think unfortunately they'll have to play georgia in that sec championship and that'll be kind of their season, but they, if they can continue to kind of gut away at these wins, um, the way they're doing it right now, the scrappy way they're doing it, not necessarily true dominating Alabama fashion. Um, I think they can do it. I think that's just how they're going to have to win this year. Um, obviously they still have LSU on the schedule. They still have a couple, couple more tough games um, to even get to that point of an SEC championship, but yep. um, we'll see. So, the, the last part of college is always the fraud of the week. Um, I I think years will probably might be the same unless you're trying to get more 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 topics to talk about. But Mario Cristobal with one of not one of that is the worst coach wonder that I can worst. ever remember. Worst. Um, 
That's and, a fireable offense. No, it is in calling it a mistake is doing an injustice to mistakes. So for those who aren't aware, up by three, running clock, 35 seconds left, third down, no timeouts for Georgia Tech. The game is quite literally over. And instead of Blake Rock is 40 seconds in college. Yeah. Yeah. No. And instead of kneeling the football, Miami runs it, fumble, Georgia Tech recovery, go down the field. Touchdown as time expires. Miami loses their game and their perfect season. Um, I saw a pretty funny comment, which I think is entirely correct. It is genuinely better for Mario Cristobal to come out and say, I purposefully threw that game because I have a gambling addiction and someone was holding my wife hostage than it was for him to say, oh, I made a mistake. Because you can't make that kind of mistake. So I heard a theory that um, I don't know how true it is that their running back was at 99 yards and that they were doing it to get him a hundred yard rushing day. I mean, that's not, but that's, that's, that's not an excuse even in that regard. Like it's so inexcusable. (laughs) No, that's, that is, I didn't hear that, but that to me is kind of entertaining because it's college. You're not playing for, a nice contract and be able to say, "Oh, I led the I led the league in hundred yard games." Who gives a shit? Win the game. Yeah. Um, and you know what's even funnier? This is not Mario Cristobal's first time doing this. When was the first time? Two thousand eighteen, Oregon versus Stanford. Similar events. The timing wasn't quite as bad. The timing would have been oh my God, there's 10 seconds left and we line up for a punt to punt it back to Stanford who will receive the ball 95 yards away from the end zone with no timeouts and having to go 95 yards and they ran it and on third down and they fumbled. That is his second time doing something Ugh. stupid. Then like, then it's not a mistake. It's, yes, it's it's just it's a me- it's a mental deficiency at that. Point. Yeah, no, that's a that's a perfect way of putting it. This is just a guy who doesn't understand. It, it's just like in it. It's just the most Miami way to lose. Like it's they're one of those fan bases that are becoming just like like Nebraska. Texas is over the last Nebraska. decade. Yeah, Nebraska is like these just tortured fan bases where even when there's like somewhat of a glimmer of hope. Because it feels like there slightly is a glimmer every year with me. But they start off five and one or six and two or nine and one or nine and oh or something like that. And then they find a way to not have any hope in their fan base by the end of the season. Yeah, that was um, again. I, I said it, they ruined their perfect season. It's not like the, I let me resist. No one probably thought they were going to go on and make some CFP run. But when you do something like right. that, you didn't shoot yourself in the foot. You shot yourself in the head with a bazooka. Like, you you didn't just, oh, you didn't cripple your season. You ended your season just then. <laughs> the bazooka reference is great. Um, yeah, so my fraud of the week is uh, Washington State. We mentioned it. Uh, obviously, going to UCLA is no easy game. I, I'll be honest. I This could also kind of feed into because I think he's a fraud. That Moore kid from Dante um, Moore from yeah Detroit. from from Detroit. I think he stinks. I mean, isn't he eighteen? Isn't he a true freshman? He's, he's a true freshman. I think he's so overrated for being like like the next painting Manning or whatever he is. Give him some time. Yeah, I think I just 
I don't like it. They're they're already saying he's leaving because they're not he's not getting enough NIL money. It's like I don't know. Seems he's. Where are you going to get more NIL money than an LA-based school? I don't know. I guess they don't really care about college sports there. It's a basketball school. That's fair. He was committed to Oregon. I don't know why he decided to leave that. Um, (laughs) Oh, got to love NIL. Yeah, but Washington State finally loses. They were all the way down to 13. You had to imagine that wasn't going to last. They kind of have their – their last fighting chance in the Pac-12 before they kind of get abolished to no man's land, and uh, it ended yeah. in Los Angeles. <laughs> Tough scene. Um, and move Any... move on to the to the Detroit Spooky Lions because it's October now. Yes, yeah, Spooktober Lions didn't spook them. All they did was spook the Panthers back down to Charlotte. You want to start or? Yeah, I'll start. Uh, forty-two twenty-four. The final score. I like to think of this as good teams. I I heard this this morning too. It's how you measure good teams in the NFL are one, are they beat are they are they beating good teams? Can they beat good teams? And two, do they take care of business and dominate the bad teams? And that's what this week week was. That's dominating a bad team. The game was never close, never in doubt. With injuries, it's one you go and you take care of business. You kind of just stomp on their throat and go, we're a more talented team. We're a better team. Even with these injuries at home, let's get it done. Let's move on to Tampa next week. That's how I feel about it. Uh, obviously, you had no Amon Ra. Uh, you had no Brian Branch. You had no a lot of paces. Um, no Jameer. Gibbs did not play. But you still stuck it down their throat. Uh, defense looked good. Most of those points weren't garbage time, I thought. Uh, and then, uh, uh, not to, I guess, because the first round picks didn't exactly look great yesterday, but the second round pick, Sam Laporta, uh, do you want to hear a crazy stat? Uh, sure. He has, he now has more, or sorry, not more, just as many touchdowns as Drake London does in his career now. I thought it was Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, correct. Sorry, wrong guy. Yeah, I mean that's a crazy stat. No, Laporta's filthy. Um, I'll kind of get to him. I wanted to maybe start it from from the top. I was gonna say I wasn't ever. I didn't want to call it a trap game, but you mentioned the injuries. It kind of did feel a little scary going into that game. You know, it's the NFL. You're not supposed to get anything easy. You mentioned Amon Ra. You mentioned No Gibbs. You mentioned Brian Branch. You mentioned a banged up offensive line. You mentioned Jameson Williams on a snap count. It's they they were playing with a they were playing with the B list celebrities, um, and I was I was a little nervous. And as always, the team responded absolutely brilliantly. You handled an inferior team on both sides of the ball. The defense was suffocating, and the offense continues to find new ways to be kind of innovating and exciting. Yeah, just kind of starting with the offense. We saw some re- couple of interesting trick plays. The, the Laporta long TD pass, I mean, the, yeah. the, the version of the Philly special that every team likes to make themselves, um, it, that was pretty cool. But then when they ran that direct direct snap to Montgomery between Goff's legs, did, did you see that? Yeah. That is the most – I've never like, – talked about like, like with the Mario Cristobal thing. I have never seen that. With a QB under center snapping it through his legs. Yeah, me neither. It just so, speaks to how creative and like innovative Ben Johnson is. And could you imagine if he uh, 
a head coaching job this offseason like he was rumored to. Like yeah. he's so good. He makes he makes the lines what they are offensively. Uh and I'm very happy we have him right now. So you're it's funny you mentioned uh Ben Johnson if he would have taken it. I, I mentioned it's great to see this team kind of step up after Dan Campbell continuously refuses to use his kicker. I, I I mean, I've said it as a joke in the past, but I'm starting to lean more and more into the genuinely, why do you roster Riley Patterson on any given Sunday? Right. There's, and I, I, I'm actually not kidding. You clearly don't want to use him. You clearly don't trust him, which that's, that's stupid because you brought him back this year. It's not like you were stuck with him. Just roster another lineman on either side of the ball, depending on what side needs it more each week. There is no reason why Riley Patterson should be on this roster. And that's funny that I have to say that. Go for two on every single touchdown you score and go for it for for on every single fourth down or punt if it's too far away for you to kick. There is no other reason for there is no reason for Riley Patterson to be on a roster. It's atrocious. They don't trust him to kick from 45 yards out. Yeah, was that the fourth and four? I think it was, yeah. And then that was when we got the ball back two plays later after the fumble. Right, yep. yep. And, like, that's where I said it's like, I mean, the the team responded brilliantly as always. I mean, I'm not going to say that those guys know that what he does is lunacy, but at some point, like, you, you maybe you just go out there and you're like, you know what, it is what it is. I'll go out there and do my job. Uh, that That's what the defense did. Is there a part of you at all that just goes, like, God, he is he like when we get when we hopefully get the playoff time, what is he gonna do to screw it up? Because it's it's fine when he's doing this and we're winning. I mean, we've won by double digits the last three weeks here. Um it's fine then and everyone can kumbaya, whatever, and talk about kneecaps. What are we gonna do when we're you're playing the Philadelphia Eagles in the divisional round? Like and so, he's going for it on fourth and seven. Yeah. So I haven't thought about specifically what we'll do if it, when it happens or if or when it happens in the playoffs because I haven't thought about it. But I've really thought about what's going to happen next year when Ben Johnson's gone. Yeah. I am petrified of this yeah. team or what this team's going to look like with Ben Johnson's gone. They'll still play very, very hard. I'm, I'm not going to deny that. He is probably the best motivator in football. That is a fact. And it's also a fact that he leaves so much to be desired with X's and O's. So much to yes play. yes so yes. we'll see what happens i mean it is what it is i, I do want to talk maybe a little bit about the secondary consistently getting injured i mean cj Gardner yeah. johnson mosley yeah i mean mosley losing his season 15 minutes after he gained his season so or in your thoughts given that this is a good team given that this is a team that can be competing for possibly a one seed you don't know. You never know what's going to happen with the 49ers. They play a tougher schedule than you do. Given that this team has a chance to be competing for a one seed, should they be aggressive and go get another corner? That's a good question. I, um, I was going to say, I know they threw. I, I know today people were throwing the Patrick Sertan name out, and while I would kill for that, and I would, I would give up a first for Patrick Sertan. I just don't think that's feasible because. Denver is such a shit show, but you're not giving up a 23-year-old or 24-year-old top five corner in football. You're just not. Right. So while I would love for it to be Patrick Sertan and I would be willing to overpay for him, you're probably not going to get that. So a, maybe a second-tier guy. I don't know what that is. 
But I do think it, it maybe they need some help with Sutton or with uh, Mosley going down. You need someone opposite Sutton. Yeah, it's kind of like I don't want to put the Lions to play this uh, point yet, but it's for me, it's like the 49ers. I'll use them as the example is the only team that can beat them is themselves getting hurt, I think, right now. Uh, and that's kind of how the Lions need to start thinking is that the only way we are going to hurt ourselves for competing for an NFC North title is if we continue to stay banged up, specifically, like you said, in the secondary, that if this is going to, if we're going to have these long-term injuries, I think I'm one more guy away going down from saying, yes, okay. something needs to happen. Um, but like you said, like, what are you going to get, have to give up to get something that you might not really want if that makes sense as far as a second tier player like you're gonna have to overpay that you need to make sure that it would be worth it i think and that's kind of why i say i need one more substantial injury before i go say we need we need help now okay and maybe that's because we're winning right now and then i feel like at, despite the injuries we've done okay but we've also beaten uh three pretty terrible teams in my opinion yep um and we'll obviously see next week play a much better Tampa team. Still three-point favorite. Uh, so should, should take care of business there. But that's kind of where, where I'm at on the injury situation. Yeah, the you mentioned the Tampa game. I mean, that game for this early in the season is huge. Um, you talk about a team that looks like they might or will win the NFC South. You are competing with them for the three seed. Right. So... You, if you get that win and you go out one and a half games up on them because you 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 own the tie break, that I mean that could be the difference between facing the Cowboys or the Seahawks in the playoffs. Right. And this is actually kind of funny because I'm, I'm going to throw it up to you. Who would you actually rather face? Because like the Seahawks own us, but Dallas is probably a better team. Dallas is probably a better team, but I, I after watching them last night, and it's maybe because the forty there is nobody in the 49ers class right now. But I like the Cowboys don't exactly scare me, to be honest, at this point, because mm. they're a they're serial chokers in the playoffs. Yep. They have. There's always that. I know it's a new roster, new year, whatever. Still Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and Dak uh, Prescott and Dak Prescott. That's B, B, they've killed what three of the worst four teams in the NFL and have now lost to the Cardinals and gotten killed by the 49ers. Uh, yeah, no, again, I, again, that's why I threw it out there, just because, like I said, I think that on paper the Cowboys are a better team, but damn, the Seahawks own us. Yeah, the Seahawks own us, and yeah, I don't know where I feel I'm at on Seattle, uh, to be honest. Um, geez, it is interesting because I think the NFC, I say it's much weaker. Uh, I think I think you can kind of – I think I could name the like it's going to be 49ers one, Eagles two, Lions three, uh, Bucks four, Cowboys five, um, probably Seattle six, and maybe New Orleans, maybe I Green think, Bay. I think probably New Orleans, Green Bay, or maybe the Rams. Yeah, the Rams have the Rams have been kind of a, a pretty good team. They're frisky. They'll be right around eight nine wins. I I genuinely thought until yesterday that the Vikings were going to be right around nine wins, and then I I think now at one and four, you're like you're gonna be scrappy to get to eight at this point. But yeah, no, they're 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 one or two losses away from sending Kirk Cousins to New York. 
Yeah, but again, like not a not a, like a competitive loss yesterday. I know the Chiefs kind of like to do this thing where they don't really like to blow blow teams out, but I don't know. I still see hope there for some reason. Maybe I'm you just are crazy. what your record says you are. If you're one and you're six, right. you're one and six. I don't care if Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, T.J. Hawkinson, Prime Randy Moss, Brett Favre, the Purple People Eaters. You you can put your you put the Minnesota Vikings Hall of Fame team out there. If you're one and six, you're one and six. Right. Uh, segment time. Surprise of the week. Um, I'll go with uh, just how bad the New England Patriots are. Oh, I got to think of a new one then. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. But, no, it's all right. I mean, they fall into one and four, um, and their only win was over no confidence. Zach Wilson, the combined score of the last two games is 72 to three. Oof. We've never seen New England this bad. The wheels have completely fallen off for Belichick in New England. I mean, that, that typical defense and schemes that we talked about was like, you know what, maybe that's good enough to drag a, a subpar Mac Jones to eight wins. That does not look like it's there. Um, even seven seems like it might be out of reach. Um, Mac has been absolutely putrid. I want to yep. offer some form of help to him in the sense that the best players he's ever thrown a football to were during his college days, named Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. In the pros, Jacoby Myers is the best player he's ever thrown a football yep. to. And Jacoby Myers is probably a very, very, very low-end wide receiver too, or a right. more realistically an upper-end wide receiver three on a good football team. That can't be the best player you've ever thrown to. Um, but then again, at the same time, Max never really shown anything to be able to say, hey, well, get me some help and I can do it. So it goes both ways. Um, you lose your two best players on defense, Matthew Judon and rookie Christian Gonzalez for what's probably going to be the season for both. I, I genuinely don't know what happens to Bill Belichick because like, he's earned the right to chase Don Shula's all-time wins record. Yeah. But if you're Robert Kraft, are you okay with sacrificing five to ten years of your franchise's future over history? I mean, the history's already happened. The- yeah, I uh, I actually think it won't even get to that. I think he'll want – Bill, will, that is, will want to leave. Um, if not at the end of this year, very soon after the way this is. I don't think he's going to want to be there. I don't think he cares enough about that record, really, to where he oh. doesn't want to be there for a full – I mean, they're arguably – what they might be the worst team in the NFL. They could, but then again, my question is: If he doesn't Maybe want the Giants, I I guess what I was going to say is with Bill, if he doesn't necessarily care about the record, why is he still coaching? Like that's why yeah. it's like you know, if you know what? Maybe you wanted to prove to everyone you could do it without Brady. That was four years ago, and you haven't done it without Brady. So, but I I, I think there were like some expectation that this team could maybe be scrappy and maybe be a five hundred team and maybe slide in, um, and maybe that's why. Okay. As opposed to this, this is now an absolute dumpster fire, and it's gone gone down south quickly here these last two weeks. I agree that it's it, this is almost reactionary to say I don't think he had this impression of losing seventy five to three or whatever you said. That's that weeks. that's fair. You, I, I I I'll agree to that. That's fair. Um. So my surprise of the week, uh, is going to be the Jaguars. Um. The Jaguars go down in the early game in London and beat. Uh, the steaming hot Buffalo Bills, uh, just an absolute dud. The Bills continue to do weird Bills things. 
and that they look so good for three weeks in a row. They pumped Miami last week. They're three. They after losing week one to Zach Wilson, they go three dominating wins, and then they offensively lay an egg in London. And I will attest some of this to. I don't know if it was Sean McDermott or some team doctor that gave them the recommendation for how to beat the jet lag and time difference for London, but their plan and strategy for that was putridly bad. I think the wasn't, average. I American, wasn't aware of this. They got. I want to say they they did they got there Thursday night and had them all stay up through uh, through the night, only to sleep all day Friday and just do a walk through Saturday. So he basically emphasized the jet lag, where most teams go down there a couple days early. Obviously, the Jaguars have an advantage playing two weeks in a row down there. So whatever they did, Jacksonville is kind of always going to have an advantage in that that sort of respect. But I think that was uh, a pretty putrid plan. Obviously, uh, your uh, head football coach isn't necessarily um, well-versed on jet lag in an American sport. Um, so I'm not going to hold that to a two agree. It doesn't speak much to how good of a coach he is. Uh, but also the bills, like I said, look so good. And then you have, after one kind of duddish performance, we have Stefan Diggs doing Stefan Diggs things, throwing the remote, throwing a temper tantrum. Josh Allen looked very mid to say the least. Um, and it's also a surprise of the week for me because the Jaguars who had a ton of expectations start off two and two. Uh, they go into London and they get a good win against a good team, kind of sets them right back on track for a lot of people that had them winning whatever 12 games. This necessarily probably wasn't one you marked down instead of win. So they get one back as far as some of the early losses that weren't necessarily great uh, for what the Jaguars want to be. So that's my surprise of the week. I I mean, I, complete, I completely agree with everything you say. Uh Something that's kind of funny, you mentioned the jet lag thing. That's actually my, that used to be my way of beating the jet lag anytime I'd go to Bulgaria was take the transatlantic flight throughout the night. And then when you land in Europe, it's, it's morning time and you just stay up through the day there and then you go to bed. That's funny that they employed that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and they said it was, it was question marks at the time, but uh, so your game of the week. So my game of the week, like, I'm not going to call it a bad week of NFL, but this kind of no nail biters. Yeah, no nail biters, no tr- no track meets. So I'll go with the Jaguars and the Bills game as well. Um, yeah. I was impressed, like you said. Yeah, I was impressed with Jacksonville. They kind of they lined up and they fed Travis Etienne the ball, and Travis Etienne ran the ball, and right. that's not something you think happens to the Buffalo Bills very often. I know they had some injuries up front, but when you think of the Bills, you think of swarming defensive line, front seven that just suffocates you. And, I mean, they got Von Miller back for this game. Didn't seem to do much. I mean, the the Bills were playing catch-up the entire game. Um, It was kind of funny. When we were in Chicago, we placed a nice 13-leg parlay on all of the games for the week, and I had the Bills in the first one, so my parlay didn't even make it to the 1 p.m. games. (laughs) But love that. Yeah, but just you know, just like a, a a game where I was kind of impressed. I mean, Trevor Lawrence took care of the football. I mean, you always kind of get a little scared. I mean, I guess I say took care of the football. He did fumble it, but he didn't really he didn't he didn't really make stupid throws. But I, I don't know. It's just it's kind of unfortunate that this has to be a game of the week because 
everything else was just kind of either boring or field goal fests or, or kind of kind of a blowout with when you when you talk about the Lions or the 49ers. So yeah, and my game of the week is actually going to make you laugh because it was some of the shittiest football played this weekend. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the Steelers and the Ravens. Um, it can also kind of fit into my uh, surprise of the week that the Steelers, the fact that the Steelers are, I believe they're three and two now. They are. Is absurd. Uh, they get a nice win against a good division opponent. Baltimore also goes to three and two. They 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 boo and they're yelling fire Matt Canada at halftime and now they win and they're three and two and now they're acting like Kenny Pickett is Patrick Mahomes like this is division, this is man. arguably the worst offense in the in the league hey they're leading the division and they can't be worse than the Patriots come yeah. on okay. have some shame <laughs> yeah but this I mean like look at this this box the Kenny Pickett. 18 for 33, 220 yards and a touchdown. I guess that's enough to win a game if you really want to. Well, I mean, if you look, I mean, it's funny. You mentioned this offense saying they are bad. It's bad. It's horrible. It's horrible to watch. Seven points in the loss to the 49ers. You know what? You want to chalk it up to the fact that the 49ers, I'll allow it. Six points in the loss to the Texans. That's unacceptable. 17 points in a win in an NFL game. That's tough. Yeah. Beating the Raiders scoring 23. That's, I would probably say, right about average, maybe slightly below average if you're going to win football games in the NFL. And then getting to 26 against the Browns, I mean, that was Except. such a weird, that was such a, that was the weird defensive game, too, where I think I both yeah. teams scored defensive touchdowns. So it's not like the offense was doing that either. Yeah. Pittsburgh didn't even make it into the, 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 uh, the Cleveland red zone in that game and they won. <laughs> yeah. So, I completely agree with you. That offense is putrid, but guess what? You are what your record says you are, and right now their record says they're division winners. Or division and winners that leads into my – oh, go ahead. No, uh, that, that was just kind of – I had to correct myself. They're also going to be my fraud of the week. There's no way that's a 3-2 and two football team in a good division too. Uh, obviously, the Bengals get a nice comeback win against the Cardinals. Jamar Chase was, in fact, open like he said he was. Um, goes for three touchdowns and 200 yards. Uh, they look like they're kind of going to be roaring back here in the next couple weeks. Uh, I know the Ravens look solid at three and two. Uh, and then uh, who knows with Cleveland? I think they're a decent team, but Sean just seems to be a different player every week. They had a bye this week. Um, so all those teams kind of hovering around mid, maybe a little better than mid. And I think if I had to pick one team out on that, it's the Steelers of any of those four for me so far. Out is in a bad way. Out is in I don't believe in them moving forward okay. like the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that it's a very interesting division because they are so compact. I mean, three and two, three and two, two and two, and two and three. I mean, the Bengals have to be so happy considering they, they their start was so poor and so public, and they're one game back. And right. I, don't even think, I don't even think they've played many of the division games against the Steelers or the Ravens. Like they've only played the the, Bron- the, the Browns. I might be Correct. mistaken, but yeah. So they played the Steelers. Yeah. Okay. They beat the Steelers. Sorry, they have not played the Steelers. Yeah. yeah okay. That, yeah. They they only they only played the Browns. Um. But yeah, they've got to be super happy. Um. Uh, Semi injured Joe Burrow. I mean, T Higgins just missed last week's game, but Jamar Chase. I'm always effing open. Um, yeah. He was. Yeah, he was. I loved it. He saved me in fantasy football. But 
But the, I mean, you can make an argument for them not being back. I mean, they go Seahawks at 49ers, Bills. That's a brutal three-game stretch. Yes. So yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. Um my fraud of the week. Uh, did I say this last week, but uh Sean Payton? Yeah, uh, I don't know if he's I think he said it last week, but he just continues to do worse and worse stuff. So yeah, I did, mean I don't know. If I did, yeah, I don't know if I did or didn't, but I will say um because of the fact that it was against Nathaniel Hackett, I don't understand Nathaniel Hackett's not a head coach anymore, he's the OC, but because it was against the guy who you claimed did the worst coaching job in NFL history, and be, because you're dumb enough, and I guess maybe at the, I don't know if at the time he thought he was getting back into coaching, but you can't put up bu- bulletin board and billboard material for NFL teams. You can't give those guys re- like more reasons to play because they'll 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 suffocate you. Um, I mean, he's on pace to have a worse season than Hackett. So what yep. are you going to do? Hackett had four wins. He did have four. And I mean, the, the interesting thing about um, the Broncos is, yeah, they got a win, but they're lucky Chicago just fumbled that game away, not being able to hold out. It was a 28 to three or 28 to 10 lead, whatever it might've been. They should be winless. That team sucks. I think if, it, uh, if I had to go through the NFL, the worst five teams in the NFL, not in any order. You want to hear mine? Yes. The Patriots, the Broncos, the Giants, the Panthers. Is that four or five? That's four. Uh, and then my last one is the Bears. I can get behind that. I think I will say, though, the Bears have played much better football over the last two weeks, kind of getting DJ more the ball a little bit more. If they can kind of continue that momentum, I would be okay with swapping the Cardinals back into the bottom. The Cardinals are frisky, man. They play everyone pretty tight. They do. They should have beat the Giants. They beat the Cowboys. I mean, they're frisky. Yeah. For being a team that's actively trying to lose. Well, I mean, you're never actively trying to lose, but I know what you right. mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the Bears, their next couple games, Vikings, and then Raiders. I think yeah. both of those are both of those are at home. Both are terrible teams, so you, you never know. I mean, they could they could they could you, we could blink and we could be looking at the three and four Chicago Bears. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be. I think that would be a Chicago Bears fans' biggest nightmare if they somehow win like six games this year. Well, it doesn't matter because they own the Panthers' pick. True. However, yeah. I, this is actually. Oh, I was talking about this with friends this weekend, and I guess we got some time. Why not? So you're the Chicago Bears. You have two shots at Caleb Williams. I think if Justin Fields, let's say they end up somewhere in the six to eight win range, and you're obviously out of the field sweepstakes with or the Caleb sweepstakes with your own pick, but let's say Carolina ends up with the number one pick. What do you do in that situation? I take Caleb Williams. I think, I, I, I completely agree. unless something drastically changes with Justin Fields over the next uh, twelve weeks here. I think I don't. I think you've learned he's not the guy. Yeah. No. I. I. That was kind of my thought process. Was I completely agree with the fact that? I mean, you mentioned drastic changing. I think the only way that he could keep himself in his job, but would would be to lead the 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 Bears to a playoff appearance. 
And then I think if that happens, then maybe you have enough goodwill built up that they trade that pick for everything. And that that's assuming it ends up number one. But right. just the benefits of getting a Caleb Williams prospect, getting five more years of a rookie on a QB deal, because that's the one thing I think maybe in this specific hypothetical shouldn't go unnoticed is Fields is going to have to get paid soon. You mm-hmm. get to restart that timeline of not paying your quarterback. So I, I do think Fields is kind of in a no-love sit or no-win situation where, barring, like you just said, the, the full-on miracle, if there's a chance to draft Caleb Williams, he's getting shipped off to Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, and um, – but at the same time, if they're going to be a 6-8 to eight to win team, that probably means he was awesome to end the season. Oh, absolutely. So that makes that question even tougher. Well, it is, but like I just said, it's. I think if you haven't taken him to the playoffs, I just don't think there's enough goodwill built up there. It's, right. Justin, we love you. You've done so much for us, and you did so much for yourself to build yourself up a nicer stock. We're going to send you to Atlanta. You can get yourself an actual QB contract there, and we can get a pretty decent pick for you because you will have played your way into being worth something again. What do you think you get for Justin Fields if you're Atlanta? A third? How does that? How does the season end? I think uh, a lot of that, that's what I'm saying is, I mean, if this team goes four and 13, he's probably not worth a lot, assuming yeah. they have a shot at Caleb. If, 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 the, if the Panthers go on and win a couple games and it's like, you know what, go get the kid Marvin Harrison at that point and draft another lineman and see what he does. Dude, but I think you have too much. Pro- I genuinely don't think the bears are going to win more than two more games the rest of the season. No. And again, in, in, in that case, he's worth, He's probably worth the third round pick, maybe depending on how he plays. And again, so much of it is what happens with how the picks fall. Because if you're sitting on picks three and four or two and four, even, I mean, I, I don't really know what you do because Caleb's gone, and whatever team is picking at one, you're not you're not trading up for Caleb Williams. So, no. because if you got, if you did that as a GM, you'd get fired. So right. I think it's one of those where. If the Panthers end up in a position to give the Bears a shot at Caleb Williams, Fields is probably out the door. If not, get the kid Marvin Harrison Jr., get the kid another lineman, or get get another defensive stud out there and see what he can do. <laughs> another condition I think this is dependent on is if that regime is uh, not fired at the end. Of the oh, season. that's true. That that's that's a fair point because Eberflus is kind of an idiot. Right. So, uh, so I think if, if that is the case, that regime is gone, then yeah, there's no shot he's a bear. I like it. Um, that's kind of all I have. I think we went through our kind of good topics. We were able to kind of touch on a lot of the important games of the weekend. Um, anything else you got to say? Nah, man, it was a great episode. Lots of football talk. Uh, Michigan State's got a big one against Rutgers on Saturday. Yeah, good uh, rivalry game for us. Only only a five and a half point dog. <laughs> um, so we're not, we can't even say go green anymore. No, it's it's go lions from now. Go lions, big one in Tampa on Sunday. We'll be back to talk about it next week. Have a good one, everyone.